0: like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White, Bert Deister. The stretch of amazing weather continues mm-hmm. as uh, it will never be bad ever again.
1: Yeah, we're Eight, never going to have
0: winter. 80 and sunny for the You'll rest of the time. never be trapped in your basement. No, no, never. Yeah. Everything's going great. So uh, congratulations to us on that. If you missed last week's show, we talked about Rattlers, also known as or
1: including The, whole, in the-, like the umbrella of beer, Mitch Get Trunken. Yeah, I um, was going
0: to try and say it, but I'm glad I
1: didn't have to. I ran through this last week. I went out, and I remember how at the end of the last show I said, I'm thinking about going to the store and buying a bunch of small bottles of like different soda because there's a lot of these different like beer mixed drinks yeah. out there, and I tried them all.
0: So, run down. So,
1: everything from like the, the diesel to the. The diesel The, Rattler, was a... the Pilsner and Coca Cola. I tried another one when we had tacos. It was a, a South American drink, which was a beer and uh, Orange Crush. Um, and I have to admit, the Rattler is by far superior. Okay. The Rattler is just, it's the one that really doesn't have that kind of uh, soda six pack you know, alcoholic soda, six pack kind of taste to it. A lot of them, when you put in like the cola or the, the orange crush, they just kind of had this non-beer flavor that was like really ringing through and, and dominated the beers. Whereas uh, the Rattler, the, the kind of like light amount of grapefruit soda kind of complemented the beers. And we mix it in IPA, we mixed it in, you know, Pilsner or wheat beer. We we were generous with what we mixed it in over the week. I'm not saying that I'm gonna be mixing soda into every right. single beer now. And I don't think it will happen much the rest of the summer after this, you know, every night this week trying a different one. Um, but it was interesting, it was worthwhile, and when it was really hot this, you know, past Sunday, uh, those rattlers were nice. So I would highly suggest a Rattler. If you're going to go out there and try one, if there's one is really worthwhile, it's that one. Was there a second place for you? Um, well, a lot of second places were other grapefruit soda ones. So you mix it into an IPA, gives it a little – the hops a little boost and stuff like that. Uh, I think the orange soda and Pilsner one. Went over well, but it was we were doing just a touch. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like people said that I think it was in Brazil, like they mix it like a it's two, two parts two, two, two to one. one, and you were doing we that, were doing like a splash, like ten to one. Yeah, like a splash and like a wheat beer or a wit. I mean, I think you're supposed to do pilsner, and we did pilsner as well. But just a splash was a nice touch, and it would do it again.
0: Okay, so that's last week's show. If you want to learn how to uh, make those and get all there is to the uh, the art of mixing beer with other carbonated drinks that's available for you on demand at uh, wgr's website for um this week we're going to get to kombucha in a minute but before we do it's uh you guys are going some discounts on some stuff
1: yes yes and so we we we've had a kind of stack of um discontinued items so they're uh one of them is a, a company that's kind of stopped catering uh to homebrew equipment um some of them are extract kit lines so we're not going to be carrying anymore um and then the other big one the one that people are really getting excited about is we've deep discounted uh, old model Blickman and Polarware and um uh, brew pots so if anybody uh you know, don't follow home brewing with a lot of the brewing equipment they kind of put out models um, just like you would a car right and like both Blickman and Polarware in the past you know couple of years have completely we'll say revamped the entire line where the pots have a different look they have different fittings um, they've you know completely different like kind of functionality to them Um, nicer for sure uh, but we, when we found out about that, we ordered a lot of the old Blickman stuff, a lot of the old PolarWare stuff, because people who had put together a system with G1 pots wanted to have the whole system have G1 pots. So if you had already bought, you know, just your kettle and you know you need to get a louder ton later, um, you were kind of in a pickle there. So we actually bought a bunch of them at the end of the run of that G1 line. Um but the sales have slowed down on it. We're getting a lot more sales on G2 stuff now, a lot more sales on the new Brewers Best and the new Polarware stuff. And so, what we're doing is we're taking all that stuff and it's deep discounted. So, we have um, large brew pots, small brew pots, those kind of convenient 15 gallon ones went really quick. So, I think we still have one or two of the Polarware. Um, and we also have a lot of burners. So, you hear me talking about. Um, You know, uh, Anvil, uh, Blickman Burners, uh, you know, Elements Burner, and all these different brands that are really orientated to home brewers. There was also King Cooker out there previously, and they're, they're still existing, but they've kind of focused more on cooking and less on brewing. Um, recently as uh, there's more brewing burners out there. And so we're selling the last of our stock off on those. I think we have a couple of jet models left. They're big like brew carts. We've sold out of those now, but we still have some items in there. We put all these discounts out first on the email newsletter. So if you're looking to how to get first dibs on things like these, sign up for the email newsletter. Those were the first folks who heard about this kind of run. Um, but, yeah, no, people are really excited about it. People getting, you know, big, high-end brew pots at you know, up to 25% off, I think, is the biggest discounts we're doing on there. Um, but that's a big savings yeah. on something and that's th- anywhere from two dollars
0: to $300. Right, and these are not things that are obsolete by any stretch. No, no, yeah.
1: and, and you can still get parts for them. Um, there is one of the reasons why we, we did this big buy on the G1 when they switched over to G2 is there was actually a lot of home brewers – Who really preferred the G1, had higher polish, had simpler valves, uh, a little bit simpler construction, was quite a bit lighter. Um, And so there was, when they first came out, there was a lot of people kind of holding over on the G1. And there's still a lot of people that prefer the G1 pots over the G2, but we need space so we'll have a lot of you know fall winemaking brewing stuff coming in we need to make that space now so we got a big stand of stuff that's you know up to 25 percent off that we're trying to move
0: and speaking of that winemaking equipment it is the season like we're entering we're getting the, into starting so if you're run? not
1: making fruit wines you're bottling or you're racking or degassing um, you're getting your wine moving along so that you have open fermenters come fall when the grape harvest come in or maybe you're a fruit winemaker so you're you know doing the same thing but you're you're a little bit ahead of schedule. Well, we have everything you will need for summer and fall winemaking, whether that's presses and straining bags, if you're working with whole fruit. Um, if you're not, we have the concentrate, we have fermenting equipment. Um, so we have everything to cover you, no matter what kind of level of winemaking you're doing, whether you're, you know, you're pressing your own runs of 250 pounds of grapes, or whether you're working one gallon batches of concentrate, we have everything. you need under one roof all right now what is the chapman thermal barrel that's a new gadget that has been really popular we sold a couple of them we haven't talked about this no 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 we've always we've talked about other chapman products they have a lot of cool products so they do home brewing products pretty much only work with stainless steel Um, and i would say that their equipment is very simplified in a very good way um, so they have like their thermal barrel is a uh, basically a stainless steel cooler pre-set up for a mash tun. So it, you go walk up to it and it looks like a big brew pot with a sight tube, with a thermometer, with a port on it, and a big... Locking lid is the first kind of you know, what the what is the deal here, and then you realize that lid is insulated, the whole barrel is insulated, so it looks like a 10 gallon brew pot, and they make them in 10, 15, 20, 5 gallon, um, but it's actually a cooler. Now, you can't provide direct heat to this. So you still you know, strike and fuse just like you would. But since a lot of brewers are moving on to herms, moving on to rim system, the whole need to heat your louder ton is kind of running out. Also, the availability of coolers and really good conversion kits is running out, and I have to say, I think the life of my igloo cooler after almost 15 years of brewing is starting to run out. You know, the, if I go to use a false bottom, it doesn't fit in there. The plastic has changed shape over time; it's become furrowed, it's become stained. Well, you're not going to have any of those problems with stainless steel. Uh, so, the Chapman Thermal Barrel is about the same price of a high-end brew pot, about $300, but it comes fully rigged with a false bottom as a uh, mash tun. Um, and because of stainless steel it's a lifetime investment with the coolers you kind of know you're only going to get so many years out of it i mean we're still in the decades we're talking about but it's one of these chapmans you can really beat it up and you'll have it for life
0: okay so
1: they're really popular. They have really good insulation values, much better than the standard plastic cooler. Um, so they've been quite popular. We sold a couple of them, and they're kind of one of those items that we've always stocked with the other Chapman stuff, but I just feel like a lot of people are buying them the summer, so I should mention that they're out there and that we have them in stock. And we have a couple out of the boxes if you want to come take a look at them.
0: You guys also have everything you need for kegging supplies for people who yeah, want yeah, to get so a, a feel for that a
1: one-stop stuff. shop for all your kegging stuff. So whether you're you know, starting fresh, repairing, cleaning out old tap lines or just trying to dress up your categorator, we have everything you're going to need. And the big advantage is not only are you are going to pay about the same price that you see online, is you'll be able to touch it. You'll be able to feel it. You can match up fittings before you uh, buy it. Um, so come on into the shop. Again, you can play with it. You can touch it. You can open up the box, see exactly what you're getting before you bring it home.
0: All right. Uh, we're going to do kombucha today. We've done a bunch of different things over there. I mean, there's beer, of course, but you brew kombucha. You make, we talk about wine sometimes. We've done mead. Mm-hmm. Right? What
1: else have we done? You know, wine, um, a bunch of different historical beers. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like and.
0: So for kombucha, you know, I always see the phrase trace alcoholic. There's a little bit of alcohol. How much mm-hmm. alcohol does your general k- kombucha Usually have?
1: Usually under 1%. Which means that you don't. It's like, it's not quite negligible. You know what I mean? Because I think there is like a USDA uh, definition of like a negligible amount of alcohol.
0: For instance, does store-bought kombucha have the 1% or is that? Barely
1: even. It it might be pasteurized and removed a lot of times. So if you heat it, obviously the alcohol comes off first. So it's very easy to get rid of trace amounts of alcohol if you want. Um, But it's not enough to worry about. And it well under 1%. It's not something I think should be on your radar. I wouldn't be giving it to kids, that's for sure. sure, sure. You know what I mean? Um, Probably because one, it's a lot of work, and they're not going to enjoy it anyway. (laughs) But um, it's uh, it's not something I'd be worried about myself. Obviously, you know, kombucha is like more of a lunchtime drink or something like that. Yeah, for sure. And I I think, especially in the summer, I think. Yeah, and with um, I think you know, listeners of this show. would understand that just because something has alcohol in it doesn't mean you need to drink it to get drunk. Right? You know what I mean? Now, sometimes you do our drinking things to get drunk, but just because it has alcohol in it doesn't mean it has to be an ever- a beverage solely, you know, for the point of inebriation. It can also be for just enjoyment, which I definitely would fit into the kombucha. You make it fresh, you know what I mean? Um, you serve it fresh and it's very refreshing
0: what's the shelf life for kombucha Uh,
1: a little bit of mixed opinions i mean some people will store it in the fridge for weeks you know what i mean on end maybe a couple of months uh i think most hardline enthusiasts would say it's best to drink after a couple of weeks so yeah it's one of those things you want to make at home okay you want to make fresh and kind of always have it kind of a rolling culture we'll
0: get into how to make it as you say it's very easy to make at home Mm -hmm. easier than beer
1: um yes. I would I would definitely say Easier so. Easier than wine? No. Okay, wine's easiest. Wine wine is I think by far the, the easiest. Okay. So kombucha when we get back, easy to
0: make at home. You make it, you drink it, it's got a lot of uh, positive health qualities to it as well. It helps your gut. Mm-hmm. You know, the beer hurts
1: your gut, kombucha helps your gut. I mean beer supposedly. Hurts. In theory. It depends how much of either you drink. Sure, you fair. Can- You drink a six-pack of kombucha, I'm I'm sure you're not going to be feeling great the next morning.
0: How to make it when we get back on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. (laughs) Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means... Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. We're back on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It, and we're brewing kombucha today, which is uh, easy to make at home, easier than beer, and uh, a lot of similarities in the process, but a lot of differences as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. How to make kombucha
1: at home? Well, the kombucha at first, like what kind of what is it? So it's, it's a tea that's been fermented with both the culture of bacteria and yeast, and, and they form this large gelatinous blob. Um, I, I know I'm not sounding too uh, appetizing here, but um, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a big gelatinous blob that's referred to as a scoby, and what that is is a colony of both yeast and bacteria kind of growing symbiotically. Um, And this is the the big kind of like the heart and soul of your kombucha. Um, Once you kind of let this go be loose, the kind of result and what you're going to see if you go buy one on most store shelves is this kind of semi-sweet tangy tea. It's not like completely soured like it goes. It's not, um, while the pH is very low, the total acid count is not extremely high. Um, So it doesn't come off as like astringent, but yet it is kind of tangy, tart, um, and usually sold and enjoyed kind of cold and carbonated. So as you can see, it's a, like a very refreshing kind of light tart, and like you know, almost kind of like a soda. You know what I mean? With a lot more earthy tones and not nearly all of the you know sugar and other carbohydrates. Um, Like you said, there is a very small amount of alcohol. There are yeast in there, Um, and so it is going to have some alcohol. But the yeast are actually doing a good portion of their fermentation uh, aerobic, and so when they're doing an aerobic fermentation, um, you don't get nearly as much alcohol. So that's one of the ways that you're controlling the alcohol. So even though you're dropping a fair amount of sugar. You're not getting as much alcohol as you would because the SCOBY does not uh, actually produce alcohol as much as it produces just CO2 water. Um, That's about it. I mean, the SCOBY is easy to take care of. That's the one main ingredient that you're going to need from us. Um, it's very easy to make to home, and as we talked about earlier, it's best when consumed when really fresh, and it's another good excuse, kind of like a Belgian Whip Beer or Saison, to get rid of some leftover fruit or spices, because usually you're adding large amounts of fruit or large amounts of you know spice uh, to your SCOBY to kind of make it kind of a unique flavor. So kind of like Saison, like Whip Beer, um, you can create kind of a unique backyard flavor using the spices um, and the fruit that you have available to you so let's get started on how to make it and the first thing you want to do is is just like beer kombucha is you know mostly water um, so start with filtered water any you know kind of off flavors in your water at the start of the process are going to kind of continue on towards the end so if you have really good tap water if you have like an osmosis or a you know inline charcoal filter go ahead and use your tap water but if you taste any off flavors on your tap water especially as it comes up to room temperature you will want to filter it first and a simple carbon filter is all yeah. you need
0: is a uh- is is are off flavors in kombucha more likely to come through than they are in beer? Um, there's not the malt on to the hide beer. it. Do we, do we,
1: it depends on the beer. There you do have the tea. You do have the the acid. And I, I would, the one thing I would say is there's not as much potential for off flavors. Okay. With the beer making, you can create a lot more off flavors with brewing process. Really, what I found with kombucha, as long as your ingredients are you know in good quality going in. Um, Unlike beer where you can have bad quality ingredients going in, and as long as you have good process, fermentation, you have, you know, good beer coming out. Um, With kombucha, you can have really good ingredients going in, okay process, and you still get, you know, an okay product. You know what I mean? You really want to have good – like I wouldn't want to start with fruit that was already starting to spoil okay. or or something like that or tea bags that were already, uh, you know, fairly oxidized and starting to get kind of a woody or leaf-like flavor to them. Um, so with kombucha, it's really about the ingredients going in, kind of similar with wine. With beer, it's often you can really take some kind of of bottom-of-the-barrel ingredients. This was traditional, you know, like grains that weren't quite suitable for bread yet, and you can make wonderful beer out of it. With kombucha, you really want to start with, you know, high-quality stuff. You're not adding much to it besides a scoby, some sugar, some tea. So start with really good water. So if you have a preferred brand of, like, filtered water, yeah, you kind of want to watch the mineral content on it, um, but tap water – through a carbon filter or boiled the night before should be just fine that should help take out all the chlorine and help remove some of the minerals um so that it doesn't come off too minerally you want it kind of low mineral content um kind of like you know it goes kind of like a you know like a eastern european beer because that will kind of help bring out certain elements and kind of hide some of the more you know bring out sweet elements hide bitter elements um So we got our filtered water. We got whatever volume we want to make. I would suggest starting small, especially if you're starting out with a young SCOBY culture, and bring your water to the boil and make your tea. So as soon as you bring the water up to a boil, you're going to add your tea bags, fruit, spices, any of this, and then you're going to add sugar. Now, if you add a lot of fruit, you might want to take a hydrometer reading, but usually kind of folks with kombucha can be a little bit loosey-goosey with it, and you're going to add about two cups of sugar per gallon. Or if you're using, you know, maple sugar or using honey, you want to get to a gravity of about 1.018 so not much you know really about a third of what you would see for your average beer once you got your gravity straight once you got all your spices in there you let it cool down to room temperature. Now you can put it in a water bath just like you would beer but to be quite honest you don't have to you don't have to worry about this you know protein break or like kind of wart spoilage like you do with beer. So you can simply turn off the stove and come back to it the next morning keep a lid on it um, to make sure you're not getting any spores out of the air but you can just leave it to cool on the stovetop, which is very convenient. Um once it's chilled to room temperature, and we're talking about well under 90 degrees, and 90 degrees is kind of a marker. A lot of yeast, you know, don't like it over 70 degrees. The SCOBY cultures do not like it, and will really start to die at above 90 degrees. So really check your uh, temperature before getting it ready to move into a fermenter. So you're going to transfer transfer it into a sanitized fermenter and add your SCOBY. A couple of things you're looking in with this kind of fermenter. Uh, you don't want too much headspace, but you want the SCOBY to be able to breathe a little bit. So if you're making, say, you know, three liters of SCOBY, you want at least like a three and a half, four liter container. It's not going to foam up on you like a beer. Well, will foam up a little, but it's not going to go crazy, but you still want that headspace and a chance to give it oxygen. You also want something that's easy to clean uh, and easy to get your hands into because at the end of this pro- process, you're actually gonna have to retrieve your SCOBY, or at least you should be retrieving your SCOBY. So the most popular vessel that we have in the store is a four liter kind of wide mouse jar. It looks like a giant spaghetti jar. Uh, it does come with a lid. You can get the lid with a grommet without, um, And it seems to be kind of the perfect kind of size and shape for making the SCOBY. Um, Once you have it down to room temperature, pour the kind of, you know, tea that you've made into the fermenter. And when you get your SCOBY, it's usually, um, if you get it from somebody you know. So if you know somebody else who's already been doing this, they're going to have to cut away their SCOBY, kind of like trimming a bush. So you can go ahead and pick some up from them. And you're going to get just a gelatinous blob. You take that gelatinous blob and you just put it in there. That's it. Um, how, how gelatinous is it? Like a like a Jello
0: mold? Yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: Jello. Jello is a slightly more proteiny coating. Is a yeah, good way to yeah. do it. it the, the kombucha Sounds making delicious. is not for the, the the faint of heart. You yeah. know what I mean? There's some kind of gross phases in beer making. Like when you first rack off a primary, and you have all that yeast cake at the bottom with yeah. all the protein and hops. I mean, I have to admit, I love it now. I sometimes taste it. I feel it in my hands. But the first time I opened up a primary fermentation and racked out, and I saw the slimy you know, mass down there. I had questioned, did I do this right? Mm-hmm. Um, and with the, the SCOBY, it doesn't look the most appealing. I'm sure you've actually probably accidentally formed SCOBYs and old, you know, teas kept in the back of the refrigerator or fermenters left half filled. Um, so these things can kind appear of other places. You may have seen them before, but they are a gelatinous blob. They shouldn't be furry or anything like that, but they are a gelatinous kind of cream-colored blob. Now, when you buy a culture from us, what you're going to see is like a kind of mix of bacteria, something that looks like vinegar mother in cloudy water, which is the yeast. When you pour it into the fermentation over the first, we'll say, four to five days, it's going to kind of form that colony at the top of the fermentation. Um, But when they've cultured it, they've cultured the two separately uh, at the lab and then mix them into a pitch pack um, that they've sent sealed out for us. Okay. Now, Kobe... Uh, scoby is expensive so if you can find somebody to kind of pass you off or if you can find somebody that also does it even if you don't get your initial culture for them it's great to have somebody you know that you can kind of pass off scoby or if you're going to go away from a time can care for your kombucha as well just like somebody might you know check on your fermentations, stuff like that so having like a kind of kombucha buddy is a good you know um decision to make if you're taking into this. So once you get it into the fermenter, you've put in your SCOBY. You're going to cover it with cheesecloth, again, because we want air to get in. So we don't want to put in a fermentation lock and a traditional lid. And you're going to let that sit in a cool, dark place, at least under 90 degrees. Some people do quite a bit colder, like into the 60s. And that's going to sit there from anywhere from one to two weeks. Similar uh, fermentation time is beer. Um, when you're done with this, you're going to sanitize your hands and actually pick up the SCOBY out of the fermenter and move it over to a sanitized like tray, ziplock bag. Get it out of the way for a moment so you can start dealing um, with your kombucha. But you're actually going to pick it up and grab it. As far as the fermentation, you don't need to rack it or anything like that. You can just pour it. And usually... What you'll do is then pour it through a cheesecloth kind of hat in a funnel. So take your cheesecloth, uh, rinse it out really well, put it into the top of a sanitized funnel, um, and then pour the SCOBY through it. So you're using the cheesecloth like a filter, and you can go right into bottles. Now, you don't need to add sugar. It's usually not necessary to get the carbonation since there's so much residual. But if you're trying to speed the process along a little bit, you certainly can. Um, There is a lot of residual sugar. The yeast eats the sugar so slow and inefficiently that it's really still fermenting when you consider it done and move it off into bottles. So you just simply need to funnel it into beer bottles, cap, and then store at room temperature if you're looking for fast carbonation. But most people agree the flavor is better if you leave it in the back of the fridge for another one or two weeks and will kindly slowly bring up the carbonation that you want now once it gets to the carbonation you want you definitely just like making soda pop have to put the bottles right into the fridge so every couple of days go back check on the carbonation see how it's doing that's the best way to prevent bottle bombs is to check on your projects open one up uh every once in a while um, now, you definitely want to save this culture. The SCOBY cultures are expensive um, and they're very easy to reuse. You just take, take your some of your kombucha, put your uh, SCOBY into a sanitized vessel that you can submerge it in. So either like a Ziploc bag that you can force out the air or like a mason jar is great that you can fill till it's overflowing, you know completely cover it leave no air in there and then just place it into the back of the fridge you want to store it between about 38 34 degrees you don't want to let it freeze and you don't want to let it get above 90 Um, and simply just next time you go to use it take it smell it some people rinse it and then throw your scoby into the next batch
0: what's it supposed to smell like
1: not horrid okay it's not going to spell great but yeah. it's kind of like your fermentation yeah when, okay. when you had your first in- fermentation, fermentation you, you open it, it up and just baby vomit hits you in your face you're like yep yep that's, no, right. that's not a little earthy that's not a little farm you know that's vile it's not farmy. it's vile
0: all right happy kombucha brewing it is uh
1: that's it for us we're back next
0: week every uh saturday same time same place here on espn 1520 this is niagara traditions just brew it on espn 1520 listening To Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.